Well, here at Grace, we are learning about change through this series. Change is a part of life. It's something that we all go through, but it's sometimes some of us navigate change a little bit better than others, don't we? Sometimes we fight it, sometimes we run from it, or sometimes we rush through it, and we miss out on the things that God has for us sometimes, don't we? But growth in life comes through challenge. And there can be no challenge in our lives without change. You know, when I think about change, I think about growing up as a kid in my parents' house. When my parents were married, their dream was to build a house of their own in the remote area of east rural Georgia where they lived. Um, But life and circumstances had a different idea in mind for them. They they actually inherited a house that was really, really old. So old that they don't even know the age of this house. It was actually, the deed to the house was burned in the county courthouse in 1856. So there's no idea how old this house actually is. But mom would work really hard to bring supplemental income into our house. And she would use that income, much of it, to try to remodel this house. And this house was constantly a work in progress. She was incredible at it. She had such an eye, such a gift for turning this old, crickety old house into something beautiful. And if you walked into this house, you would have no idea that it is over 160 years old. You'd have to get, actually get underneath the house and look at the beams of heart of pine underneath the house to see how old this house actually is. But throughout my life, this house was constantly changing. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of furniture here or there or a coat of paint. My mom would constantly have these plans going. She'd rip floors up and have them redone. She'd walk, knock, knock walls down and she'd have rooms demolished and rebuilt. She even built rooms onto the edges of the house over the last several years. And when one plan was finished, she'd start another one. And constantly. This house has been under change now for over 35 years. Actually, 40 years. Very few things are still left in that house today that were there when I was young. In fact, when I go home to visit, and I've been doing this for over 25 years now, every time I go home and visit, one of the first things I do is I walk around the house and see all the things that have changed since the last time I was there. I used to, actually as a kid, I got used to all this change in our home because it was just a part of our life. But one of the things, one of the changes that I didn't get used to as a kid was change at school. Now I remember also when it comes to change, I remember changing schools three times during my elementary school years. And I remember how hard that was to to start over and to build relationships again, especially when that happened for me in the sixth grade. All that change in relationships, it now that I think back, it really changed me. I, I know I'm not the same person as I would have been if I would have stayed in the same school through all of those years. And you know, our lives are filled with moments like that. They're filled with moments when change changes us, and it changes the people around us, doesn't it? I mean, someone say someone new marries into your family. Say someone marries your, your brother or your sister, and you think that that relationship with your brother or your sister will never change, but so oftentimes it does, doesn't it? Or someone moves away, and you just you say to that person as they're moving away, you know, nothing's going to change. We're going to stay in contact. We're going to still be as close as we've ever been. But life changes things, doesn't it? Especially with the distance. Things never stay quite the same. 
I tell you, one of the biggest ways I have seen change in relationships, it's over this. It's over these green pieces of paper and the stuff that they buy. I have seen and experienced relationships forever altered and even destroyed by it. One family member dies and everything's tossed into the wind as everyone fights for grandma's dresser or Uncle Bob's art collection. It happens all the time. And it's been happening since the beginning of time. Change changes people. And it can change relationships forever. Today we're going to be looking again in the book of Genesis at the story of a man named Abraham. A man who lived some 4,000 years ago. And we're going to see how these kinds of change can potentially end relationships. But that God doesn't want us to live that way. God calls us to be countercultural, to prioritize people over possessions, over reputation, or anything else, because relationships matter. God promises us that He will bless us when we prioritize people over possessions. Now, you and I, we live in a world that is constantly changing, and change changes people. Yet one thing remains the same we are all selfish creatures aren't we? How can we live God's way in a world like that? Well, let's see. In Genesis chapter 13, if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis 13, that's where we're going to be today. And again, if you don't have your Bibles with you, open up your smartphone to mygrace.church in your web browser, and you can find the sermon notes there. You can read the scriptures with us. Last week in the story of Abraham, to kind of catch you up, if you missed the beginning of this series, we saw that Abraham's dad died And when his dad died, Abraham heard God speak to him to obey him and to move from that place to a place that he would show him, a place called Canaan. And so Abraham packs up his family and even his nephew Lot and his family goes with Abraham and they go to this place called Canaan and they know their lives are going to change forever. And certainly they do because as soon as they get there, a famine hits the land and they can't even stay there. And they realize they're going to have to go to this place called Egypt to be able to survive. And so they do. Abraham and his family and then Lot and his family follow Abraham. They go to Egypt and then they stay there. Soon they're kicked out of Egypt because Abraham lies to the, the king of Egypt. which wasn't a very good idea. Uh, and, but as they leave, they leave with all these possessions. Abraham does, Lot does. They have all kinds of maidservants and livestock that's with them. And so they go back to Canaan. And then they get there and they realize Canaan's a little bit smaller than it was last time they were there. Their possessions have grown. Their stuff has grown. And all of a sudden, it's not as easy for them to live in close quarters to each other as it once was. And problems started to emerge. Look at Genesis 13, starting in verse 1. It says, So Abraham left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Now, skip down to verse 5. It says, Lot, who was traveling with Abraham, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all of their flocks and herds being so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot. And at that time... Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. So, 
what we'll see here is these two families move back and the employees of the Lot Corporation are having hostile negotiations with the employees of Abraham and Incorporated. They're not getting along with each other. And Abraham and Lot are trying to just ignore it and hoping that things are going to work out between their, their employees. But they're recognizing, or at least Abram is, that that's not happening. Fights start breaking out. And Abraham realizes that something's got to change here. Abraham knows above all else that what's more important than anything else, whether it's land or sheep or stuff, that relationships come first. They always come first. And this land was just not vast and fertile enough to handle all their livestock. And they also are noticing here, as you see in that verse 7, it, it, it points out that there are Canaanites and Perizzites all in the land, and no doubt they're watching these two guys and their families and how they're going to deal with this issue. Lot's really not doing anything about it. So what does Abraham do? He decides to prioritize this relationship with his nephew even over his own well-being. First of all, by choosing to be a peacemaker. Look at verse 8. It says, Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice, Lot, of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the, the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land to the right, then I'll go to the left. You see, Abram is seeing here that this problem isn't going to go away on its own. Left on its own, it's only going to get worse. Their relationship is going to change regardless. So being passive in this relationship isn't going to help. And he decides in this moment, Abram does, to be a peacemaker. Now, notice I said peacemakers and not peacekeepers. There's a big difference between the two. Peacekeepers just keep things civil between each other. Keep, things from, keep people from going after each other, from people from trying to kill each other. I mean, you and peacekeepers, for example, they aren't, they aren't trying to resolve conflicts. They're just trying to keep people from killing each other in the process, to keep each other on their own sides. Peacekeepers are well and good, but for us as Jesus followers, we are called to a higher standard. We're not called to be peacekeepers. We're called to be peacemakers. And there's a difference. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. In the New Living, it says, blessed are those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Romans 14 says, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of each other. And in Hebrews 12 it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. I want to share this with you this morning because I believe for some of you today, you're not at peace. There are relationships that have changed in your life, in recent weeks or months or years, and they haven't been resolved. And I believe God's call to each and every one of us, regardless of how messy those relationships are, regardless of how stupid they are and all these dumb things that they've done that you know they shouldn't have done, right? God's calling us to be peacemakers, to do everything we can to bridge that gap and to do something about those relationships. If there's any way possible... 
that we would not be peacekeepers and just say, okay, you stay on your side and I'll stay on mine. But that we make peace with those that we're in conflict with. And so oftentimes, these kinds of things come up as a result of possessions, right? As a result of stuff and us fighting over stuff. But that's not always the case. I mean, a great example of that I've seen just recently has been in Charlottesville. You know, many of you have probably kept up with all that's been going on in Charlottesville lately. I know I have. It's really stirred in me what's happened and how it's just kind of had a ripple effect throughout our whole nation. One of the stories I heard coming out of Charlottesville was that of a father of one of the right supremacist uh, protesters that was there. And this man, this dad, he detested everything that his son was doing in Charlottesville, particularly as he saw his son on the, on the news night after night after night as footage, as footage was shown over and over again. So his dad decided to go public and to speak to his son through the news media. Here's what he said to his son via the news. He said, I pray my prodigal son will renounce his hateful beliefs and return home. Which is great. Except that he didn't stop there. He also said, Peter Teft, my son, is not welcome in our family gatherings any longer. Only when he realizes how messed up he is and renounces his beliefs can he come home. Now, why would a dad say something like that? Well, because he said, I don't want to be seen as guilty, complicit by association with my son. He and his family helped organize something in their, ta- in their hometown where they put up signs everywhere that basically said, if you happen to see Pete Taft, my son, don't welcome him back into the community. In fact, if he comes into your business, I encourage you to, to kick him out and say he's not welcome here until he changes. And you see, that's what peacekeepers do. They push people away. They put up walls just to keep out bad behavior and to protect themselves. But blessed, God says, are the peacemakers. Who, those who go into the hate, who... Stop it with unconditional acts of love. Not pushing you away, not expecting you to change, but instead embracing the hater. Showing him that love conquers all. I mean, that's what Jesus taught us, right? What did Jesus say when he was confronted by other people about a man named Zacchaeus who was hiding up in a tree to watch Jesus? I mean, they said, he's a tax collector, Jesus. He's not even fit to be around. I mean, we don't even waste any time with him. Don't, in fact, if you do anything, condemn him. And Jesus said, no, I, I think I have another way. I think I'll sit down and eat with him. And through love, through relationship, a life was forever transformed. Because relationships matter, because people matter, we push ourselves to be peacemakers, which isn't easy and isn't comfortable. But Abraham not only shows us that we're to be peacemakers, he shows us that we're to be irrationally generous. Now in this story, Lot decides which land he wants. I mean, in verse 10 it says that he looks out and he sees the land of the Jordan Valley and how lush and how beautiful it is. He compares it to the beautiful land of Egypt. And he looks over at Canaan and he sees it's nowhere near that fertile. It's nowhere near that nice. And so you can guess what Lot picks when Abraham gives him the choice. 
Now, why did Abram do that? Why did he give this young guy this choice? I mean, he didn't have to. I mean, they could have split that fertile region. They could have gone halvesies, right? Uh, Abraham could have pulled rank on him. You said, you know what, I've I've got seniority here. I think I'm going to make this decision. But instead, instead of putting his own immediate family first, he has decided to be irrationally generous, even to his own disadvantage. You know, it's, it's one thing to be generous, to give to someone out of the abundance of what you have. It's another thing entirely to be irrationally generous, to be generous even when you know that means you're going to do without. And that's what Abraham does for the sake of relationship. Prioritizing people over possessions, over stuff, goes so against the grain of our culture, doesn't it? How often do you see someone choose people over possessions in our culture today? Rarely. Yeah, that's what Abraham does. And as a result, God blesses Abraham in return. Last week we saw that God promised to make Abraham a great nation. And as a result of this act of generosity in chapter 13, God promises vast land to not only him, but also to his descendants. Jesus promised also in Luke 6, 38, that a lifestyle lived in irrational generosity is a life that God blesses. And at the same time, we see with Lot's choice of selfish ambition how he got into deeper trouble. This area around Sodom that he chose seemed like the best choice to Lot. But by chapter 19, it had destroyed his family. His wife dies running away from this part of the world. A constant appetite for things leads us, 1 Timothy says, to all kinds of evil. Proverbs adds to that by saying it it leads us to lie, to cheat, to mistreat others, even causes trouble within our own families. You know, there's this phrase that I remember hearing as a kid in the South. God helps those who help themselves. And as hard as I've looked, I haven't found that in the Bible anywhere. It's not biblical. In fact, God's way is counter to that plan usually. Especially when we prioritize stuff over someone else. Sooner or later, most all of us will come to realize in life that life is all about relationships. When this life is over, we don't get to take a single one of our possessions with us that we fought so hard to get and so hard to hold on to. All that we take with us when we die are relationships. Relationships with God and with each other. That's all that lasts. The world says those relationships are expendable. The world says, well, if you have a problem with one, if it asks too much of you, if it starts to change, then just drop it. Just toss it aside. Find another one. But God, on the other hand, teaches us that relationships are the most important thing in life. Something that we are to treasure above everything else. At Grace here, we focus on relationships a lot. Every church that exists, they put their priorities somewhere. And for us at Grace Community, this has been true for many, many years, we put our our priorities on relationships over and over and over again. 
Grace was founded with this high value around authentic community and relationships. No masks, no superficiality. And that's why, for instance, that's why we worship the way we do. That's why I love this room where we worship on Sunday mornings. So oftentimes I've gone to worship centers and I go to worship and the room is dark and you can't see each other. There's deep rows and you're really kind of lost in that moment with yourself. And here at Grace, we believe in community. And what we, when we're here, we're worshiping God together around this semicircle. And we're seeing each other's faces as we look up to God and we remind him of how much we love him. It's because we believe here at Grace, not only our relationship with God, but our relationships with each other, they matter. It's why we focus so much here at Grace on intentional relationships. And we ask that everyone at Grace be in one. To be in a life group where you can grow with each other and you can grow closer to God. As well as, being, as supporting and encouraging each other. It's why we believe serving is important and why we serve together. Because relationships, they matter. It's why even on the cover of your program each week, we put the face of someone here at Grace Community that you may or may not know and a quote from them that shows how their time here at Grace through relationship, how it's impacted them. Because we believe, as we put on there every week, that relationships matter. Some of you are here today and you've been on the fringe for a long time. You've been coming for weeks, for months, maybe even for years, and You've experienced God here. You've been blessed by the teaching here. But you're not really known yet here. You haven't taken the time to take that next step into relationship. I want to encourage you this morning. If that's you, try a life group. Mark your hello card today that you're interested in. Let us help you find that group that is the perfect fit for you, where you can grow in community. Or... Try Alpha. I mean, Alpha is going to be starting just in a few more days. Alpha is the perfect opportunity. If you want to make some great friends and deepen your faith, make your faith come alive, I would encourage you to come to Alpha during those few weeks that we have it here at Grace, starting in early September. I would also encourage you to find a place to serve, a place where you can be changed as you serve alongside others and build relationship with those, not only in our community, but in this community, with each other, and as we make a kingdom difference together. You know, for years, Paul and Rebecca Morin have used their gifts to make a kingdom difference in our lives here at Grace by leading worship. Many of you have been drawn closer to God on Sunday mornings through their ministry. Over the past couple of years, Matt and Jean Gibson have really been involved in serving in the worship team as well. And now, just as an example, God is calling them to a season of change. To leave the safety of this place and their relationships here and to use their gifts to make more of a kingdom difference by helping lead worship at a new church plant for refugees near the U of A campus with Goshen Ministries. A month ago, I was on vacation and I asked the pastor of this new church plant to preach here. And God started stirring in these two couples as a result of that. This morning, I want us to commission them for the work that God has called them to do as they go to make a kingdom difference. We we have a joyful obligation to release them 
to Christ's work as they reach beyond here to Tucson and the world. But can I have both of you come up here and join me for just a moment? I don't know what that is, but <laughs> could you give that? <laughs> the Great Commission says, Go ye therefore into all nations, all nations, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This morning we are getting ready to send out these four people to a refugee community, an African refugee community that has arrived in our, our city and are looking for God. And God is going to speak to, to them through the ministry of these four individuals. This morning I do want to start by asking Paul, can I have that mic for just a second? Paul, how long have you been at Grace? And how has being part of this community, how has leading worship in this community, how has it changed you personally? We've been here eight years. I think we got here in July of 2009. Um, we looked for a whole year uh, for a church where the Holy Spirit was saying we were home. We came here, went out for a year, and looked all over Pima County and came back here. And uh, so we've been here eight years. And how has it impacted me? Uh, I can't, I'll just say, am I still on? Uh, I'll just say that looking back, I'll probably have more clarity. But going out, I would say that the closest people uh, that we are, that we feel as far as friends came from our life group and from the worship team and from relationships that we've had here. So I'm mm -hmm. really thankful that we could serve here in a church that is filled with servant leaders. And we feel really honored and privileged to be part of that. And we feel excited going out that we're not disconnecting from you guys, that we're rather going out and we don't know what God has in store, but we're keeping the connection, not burning a bridge. Amen. So Matt, tell me, why change for you and why Goshen? <clears throat> What's been God putting on your heart? Let me uh, tell you that I have ODADD. That's old dude ADD. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use notes here if you don't mind. The question was, why? And my first reaction to the question was, why not? And I know that sounds flippant, but I wrote some things down here. When Pastor Bagimba preached here, Rebecca talked to him and made an, some arrangements for us to go sit in a service over there. Uh, we went the next Sunday, and during that visit... Uh, I'm going to speak for Gene and I. I can't speak for Paul and Rebecca, but I think that's probably true. It became abundantly clear right away that that was a calling that we should do. It was the right thing to do. Uh, we didn't have to fast for 40 days and 40 nights and all that kind of stuff. You know, we just—it it was very clear right away. So we made the decision to move over there. Uh, we came a couple of days later and talked to David, and Grace, as he has just said, endorsed the plan for us to go over there, and. Uh, Made, made the arrangements for us to go out as part of the missions team. So that it's, it's cool because it made a personal decision into a community decision with the church. It was just our decision became a community decision, and we hope that you'll support us in that. So, uh, so my question, you know, why why not, you know? And what I've seen in my life, especially, is that the question why can create acres of roadblocks. You can find ten thousand answers to a question to say why, and not go anywhere. But the the response, yes, clears the path. So that's what we're doing here. Gene, could you share with us how we can be praying for you for as uh, you get ready to launch out and be a part of this? Well, 
we kind of talked about this, and we just want you to pray that Pastor Bagimba's vision for the church and for the community center, which is the total package, comes together the way that God wants it to. And that um, we use our gifts and follow God's plan. Rebecca, I know that God's been putting some things on your heart as well as far as how we can work together. Could you share a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I was very excited when we came to um, give our vision to Dave that we were going, and, and he came back at us with, well, I've got a great idea. Why don't we commission you as missionaries? And I thought... How exciting, because there's only four of us, and there's so much work to be done. And the idea of partnering with you guys is just more than I can explain of how thankful I am, because I know what a great missions church this is, and I know what a great prayer church this is, and to know that we have the backup of you guys, and we're just the boots on the ground, but you guys are with us, and you can help out and in so many ways, and I'm just so excited that we're going with that blessing and that um, backup. <laughs> yeah. Now, Pete, you're, you're ahead of our, our outreach team here at Grace. Could you tell us a little bit about what we would, how we can best partner with Goshen Ministries, because I know that that's been one of our priorities here. A lot of the funds that we have here at Grace that people give are going to the ministries of Goshen locally and globally. Could you tell us a little bit about how we could, what, 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 what we still need there? Sure, absolutely. Uh, it's just really phenomenal every time we have an opportunity to send someone from our body out. And one of the things that we uh, do on the missions and outreach team is for all of these activities that are happening outside of our church, we like to try to find a local person here in the church still who becomes a champion, if you will, builds a relationship with these fine folks, builds a relationship with the mission that they're going to accomplish, and then essentially be their voice on a regular basis back in to us so that we can understand how we need to pray for them, how we can support them with our funds or maybe even with our service. And so uh, I'm just excited about the opportunity to expand. We have worked with Goshen on an international level, working with some of their orphanage programs in Uganda, and now we have an opportunity to expand and build our bridge and our relationship with Goshen, looking at serving the refugee community here uh, in the United States. So I'm going to be in the breezeway uh, in between the services. If you think that you would even remotely be interested in serving as a, a champion, that would really be great. We're talking three, maybe four hours of commitment out of a month, staying connected in some kind of a regular way, and then reporting back any specific needs to the missions and outreach team. Thank you, Pete. You know, I really believe that God is building something here. God's been, God has been creating a heart in this community for the, a refugee community in Tucson for some time. And now we have this beautiful opportunity to wed those together. And so I'm really praying and believing there's someone here among our community at Grace, at least one who would step up, as, as Pete is saying, and say, I'm be, I'll be willing to be that conduit, that person who helps bridge those relationships between these two and see what God will do. As God puts these two churches, these two very different communities together, serving God. Well, let's take a moment this morning as we wrap up and let's commission these four. I want to encourage you, if, if you would, would you just, would you stand and just reach out your arm toward them this morning? Would you join me, Pete, as we pray for them? Lord, I, my heart right now is very torn because I, I hate this. I, I hate saying goodbye 
to these four people whom I love so much, who have given so much to us over these years on this stage, who have helped lead us into your presence, Lord, week after week after week. God, I pray for Paul and Rebecca and Matt and Jean. God, I ask that starting next week that you would use them in a profound way, that you would use their gifts of worship to lead people of a completely different culture into your presence. God, I pray that even cultural differences wouldn't hinder the worship from happening as you would want it to happen. God, we thank you for the work you're doing here at Grace among our worship team and how no doubt there will be others who step up to the plate as they step away and say, hey, I, I, can, I can take part, I can help, I can serve, I can make a kingdom difference as well here. God, we, we ask that you would do that, that you would place on the hearts of those who are here a heart to serve in the areas you want them to serve and a heart to be in community, to be in intentional relationships with each other as seasons of change come through our lives. God, we ask for a beautiful, bountiful harvest to come from the work of Goshen Ministries, not just in Uganda, but here near the U of A campus. God, we ask that many, many people would come to know Jesus as a result of their tireless efforts and the result of your Holy Spirit working in that community. God, this morning we also come to you on behalf of our own lives. And God, we ask that you would help us to see ways that we need to strengthen relationships. As change comes in and out of our lives, Lord, that we not lose people in the process. That relationships not be severed or strained, but instead, Lord, that they remain strong. Lord, help us to be people who make peace at all costs. People who run into conflict rather than running away from it. People who are irrationally generous when necessary to build those relationships and place them first. God, I pray for each person in this room who are at a point of struggle today as that we have looked on the life of this man named Abraham. And God, I pray that you would help us this morning to take a step closer to you. In Jesus' name.